Hello. I'm joined today by Nick Anstead from the Department of Media and Communications at LSE. We're going to be talking about the relationship between the internet and government and politics and the role of social media when it comes to drafting our constitution. Nick, you know about this Constitution UK project. Is this the future democracy? On the web, people chipping in, tweeting this, tweeting that, crowdsourcing. I think you've just thrown in about three different buzz phrases there that would excite many of our politicians <laughs> and policymakers. And, you know, I'm sure you have experience of this when you talk to people who are making decisions. They get very excited about these kind of technologies. Um, I think there is occasionally, uh, and this is definitely a big concern for me in my work, a tendency to see these as magic bullets, mm -hmm. that, that they perceive there's something really quite wrong uh, with our democracy. Uh, they, pertinently for your project, they perceive there's something quite wrong with the constitution. And, and, and then magically, this sort of magic wand, the internet will come along yeah. and it will fix all these things. And I think there's tremendous danger in that kind of narrative mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say they aren't potentially useful. That's not to say I don't get excited about some of those buzzwords you've just used, because I'm Actually, I sometimes think buzzwords are quite meaningful. They actually include quite important concepts. Um, you know, things like crowdsourcing are actually really different ways of thinking about interaction. Um, so there is potential there, of course, um, but there's also huge risk. And I think those risks particularly come from policymakers who don't really understand these kind of technologies and, and more importantly, the kind of social relationships they might construct. There's two different ways of doing this. One is to take the traditional vehicles of democracy, parliament, MPs, the vote, and then to re-energize with new technology. And another is to say, look, that's all old hat, and is to grow a kind of civic activism, which is rooted in pressure groups, energetic engagement in this or that issue. And the two are therefore on that account different. Which side of that are you on? Well, I, would, I want to split that division. Oh, inevitably. I'm, I'm so sorry academic. to do that. I know that's the rotten way to answer this question. <laughs> but I do, because I really think the great moments in democracy in recent history, yeah, one thinks of Obama in 2008, one thinks of the Scottish independence campaign, have come when there has been uh, an integration of those two mm -hmm. distinctive patterns of participation. So on the one hand, the institutionally grounded uh, in the traditional sense, but on the other with the much more civically mobilised forms of participation. Now, there's a warning here, and this is the institutional warning, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this in a second, but is when new media is bolted on to those traditional institutions without the appropriate thought uh, or understanding of what it can do. And I think the best example of this is from the UK a few years ago, of the Downing Street petitions. You remember this? So, oh yeah, we were all allowed force something. What was it, a referendum or something? Or? Oh, well, no, we couldn't no. force anything. Oh really? What we, what we oh. could essentially force was a press release. Yeah, so, so there was no <laughs> there was no consideration of, okay, in the UK we have an executive led by a prime minister. Obviously then it makes sense, the argument went, to put the petitions in Downing Street. Right. But what was the actual constitutional logic behind that? There wasn't really any. Now if you look at some other countries where they have had petition systems set up, say Germany for example, what that actually does if you get a certain number of uh, signatures, electronic signatures on your petition, you get a debate in the Bundestag. So it's quite a different way of integrating these kind of technologies into the institutions. Right. Whereas in the UK it was just very much around, well the Prime Minister is the most important person, so clearly that's where the petition should be sent. 
But it wasn't really thought and, what it meant. And did it fail then because people didn't do it? Or because even though they did it, they were ignored? Was it just that the public, as it were, rumbled the impotence here? Essentially, it was trial by media. Yeah. So in the sense of the only thing that made the petition meaningful was getting more signatures than the previous petition that got a lot of signatures. <laughs> and once that number had been surpassed, getting the same number meant it wasn't really meaningful. Yeah. Um, I think the other failing, and this comes back to my, I guess, your very first question about voting once every four or five years, or, or those kind of numeric demonstrations of democracy, was there was no deliberative component to it. So what you did was you signed and your name was placed on a petition, but there was no sense in which that could then be used as a way to generate further civic activism. And so it came and it went. Exactly. The bane of the internet. You gave a couple of examples, Obama, Scotland. Mm. They're linked to conventional political activities, an election and a referendum. Are there any examples in the UK of a civic space being created, a democratic environment being produced by a standalone, separate from the conventional, political engagement which is rooted in social media, the internet. One might sort of think of some of the more activist-based organisations that have sprung up. Yeah. Um, Occupy, I suppose. Occupy would be the classic example, uh, UK Uncut maybe, or going back further, some of the uh, anti-Iraq war movements, although of course that had a sort of strange relationship with organised politics in some way because then it formed alliances with quite traditional groups like the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament or even the Socialist Workers' Party. So one struggles to think of broad-based uh, democratic moments that have occurred online in this country. I don't yet see how something positive can emerge from social media in a way which improves our constitutional framework and the acceptance of politicians. Mm. I, well, and indeed, the counter-argument might be it might make it worse. Yes, so indeed. If you're talking about the politics of scandal, then social yeah. media might actually exacerbate, actually, it, doesn't it? exacerbate and intensify yeah. uh, that, and the immediacy of it might make it rather rather worse. I mean, I, I think ultimately what we might have to start thinking about, though, is redefining what the political space looks like. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one, one kind of argument that's often made about social media is that it doesn't help because what it lends to is a very shallow form of engagement. Yeah. Um, so it, even those who do get involved in this scandal-ridden environment, um, all they tend to do is click links. They tend to just like things in the Facebook environment. But what I would argue back to that position are two things. The first thing is the kind of classic liberal argument, you know, the J.S. Mill argument that any involvement is better than no involvement because it can be the first step to participation. So even like is better than nothing. Exactly. Okay. But then the second argument, and I think this is perhaps the most important one, if you are seeing campaigns that are only harvesting likes, are only interested in being retweeted or whatever it is on the particular zeitgeisty site, that is campaigning done badly. Because the best campaigns, the campaigns that do this really well, see those likes, but they see it as a way to start to construct a relationship with those individual citizens, to mobilise them, to communicate with them in a way that is really effective. Are there one or two things you could put in the Constitution which would create this more positive engagement that you've been describing, Nick? Well, I've always been a very, very strong advocate of campaign finance reform. Um, I think... Is this to control the amount of money that can be spent by parties, is it? Uh, well, not necessarily. I mean, it may be that they end up spending more, potentially. Yeah. But the question is, where does that money come from? Yeah. Um, 
And so, for example, can you construct an environment where parties need to solicit broad-based support from a small number of, sorry, from uh, small donations from a large number of donors, rather than large donations from a small number of donors? Um, and this, of course, then changes the whole incentive structure of the system. Uh, so this would be one obvious place where yeah. you could actually look yeah. uh, to change the law, to change the constitution. So a few billionaires living in Switzerland would not be able to drive the whole political process. They'd need to find, as it were, in inverted commas, ordinary people. So that'd be one yeah. option. Exactly. And then, of course, you yeah. can incentivise that further by something, some kind of maybe state matching funding yeah. for donations below okay. a certain level. Yeah, it's the kind of thing a constitution could definitely do. Anything else? If I buy a book from Amazon, um, I will get it delivered within two days. I will then be asked to write a review of it. Um, people then will be able to rate my review and write spot responses to my review. I and they can engage in this process anywhere in the world, any time of day, on a laptop or a tablet or a phone or whatever. If I join a political party, I might, if I am lucky, be invited to one meeting on one evening a month. Yeah. And this is the level of involvement politics gives versus the level of involvement a bookshop gives you. And the institutions of our system, both uh, formal constitutional institutions, but also things like political parties, need to learn to live in this space. They need to live in a world where people are expecting the kind of level of engagement they get mm -hmm. from Amazon, a bookshop, mm -hmm. from their politics, mm -hmm. on their own terms. Well, on Constitution UK, we're certainly doing more than one meeting a year. They're being bombarded with requests to engage. Nick Atzlitt, thank you very much for coming in and talking. My pleasure.